Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. You know, you don't hear a lot about him, but check almost any video coming out of the White House, and there he is, standing by Trump's side without saying a word, like a wax museum statue, Vice President Mike Pence. In some ways, he's the mystery man of the Trump White House. The fact is, even after almost three years, we don't know a lot about Mike Pence. Who the hell is he? What makes him tick? What influence, if any, does he have in the Trump White House? And most importantly, how can a man who's supposed to be a devout Christian support another man who paid $130,000 to a porn star not to talk about her affair with him and who's been accused of sexual abuse by over 20 women? Well, Tom Lobianco is the first to look into and expose the real Mike Pence. He does so in his new book just out, Piety and Power, Mike Pence and the Taking of the White House. And Tom Lobianco joins us today on the Bill Press Pod. Tom, a longtime friend, good to see you. Thank you for having me, Bill. Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, and thanks for bringing Mike Pence to us. But I want to dive <laughs> I want to dive right in with the issue of the day. Mm-hmm. How closely is Mike Pence connected to the efforts by Donald Trump to get Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 election by investigating Joe Biden? Is Mike Pence a player in that scandal? Uh, attached at the hip. Really? Yeah. As, can't, as, can't yeah. get away from it. Can't divorce himself. Not anymore. Um, before, I think maybe he could have uh, argued some that there's some walls around him and that he didn't really. He could have feigned ignorance, um, but boy, after that Washington Post story came out the, recently saying that his national security, Mike Pence's national security advisor, was on the phone call with Trump and Zelensky and Mike Pompeo, um, and gave a readout to Pence. Now, Pence's people argue that he never read that. The fact that Trump directed him what to say in his own meeting with Zelensky, he directed his actions, um, it's unavoidable. And I think that's why you've seen, you saw Pence world. Look, Trump, when he deals with messaging, is all over the place. Pence is more a classic, cautious politician. So a movement of an inch is a movement of a miles of a mile in strategy with him. And when you saw his people start to try to insulate him, saying that he didn't really know what Trump was doing. But then yesterday after that story publishes, Mike Pence says, oh, no, we have to investigate the Bidens because for corruption. Um, That's an implicit acknowledgement that, yeah, he's in this. Right. So the beginning they were saying, okay, yeah, Trump said, no, don't go to the inauguration of President Zelensky. After all, we'll send Rick Perry instead that Pence might have done and meet, but now meet with Zelensky later on, but that 
Pence might have done that, but didn't realize what mm -hmm. it was all about. What you're saying right now is he can no longer say that. It's really hard to believe he has no idea what's going on. I mean, he'd have to be incredibly stupid. And I, and as, as, I mean, I, as the guy who wrote the book on him, I can tell you he is not incredibly stupid. Right. So this is one more case where um, Mike Pence has shown absolute loyalty to Donald Trump. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he has to. Here's the thing that I don't understand. A lot of people don't understand. There could not be, if you just look at the two of them side by side from what we know about them, there could not be two people who are more different, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. In so many ways. Mm -hmm. In their lifestyle, in mm -hmm. their rhetoric, you know, in their political history. How did the two of these ever get together <laughs> there's a guy and you talk about it yeah in, in your book i mean if, of all the you would think donald trump would pick somebody like rudy giuliani or chris christie mm -hmm. whom he considered said he gets this bland guy from indiana whom you covered yeah you know while i was working on this i would talk with people and everyone just kept on telling me oh you got to go talk to stephen hilbert and I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, so who's Steve Hilbert? Steve Hilbert's a former insurance magnate from Indiana. Um, they're, everyone was telling me, they're like, you got to understand Hilbert to understand how Mike Pence and Donald Trump get connected. Steve Hilbert met his third wife. I mean, this guy is like is totally simpatico with Trump in a way that Mike Pence is not. And they're good friends from the 90s, hmm. from when they used to work together out in Indiana, when, Pen when Trump was building casinos out there. Stephen Hilbert meets his third wife, Tommy Sue, when she jumps out of a paper mache cake naked at the bachelor party for his stepson from the second marriage. <laughs> this is Indiana. Yeah. I'm sure Mike Pence was not there. No, and he was not part of that. Um, Hilbert has develops a very close relationship with Donald Trump. And, you know, this is something I, I write about for the first time in the book. Hilbert is responsible for two things in Donald Trump's life, Mike Pence and his orange tan. How so? <laughs> the tan. The tan. It's true. I couldn't believe it at first. It was incredible. Steve Hilbert owns a, a tanning products company called Australian Gold. Oh, and, Lord. Oh, yeah. And Hilbert's huh. people told me that Trump... I, could, I never believed it, but they, they, they're insistent that... This is the product. This is the tanning product that, that Trump uses. Trump uses. Yeah. Whoa. So, so Trump comes out. You talk about that. He comes out to, to to meet Pence, right, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was going to come in and then fly on to somewhere else. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and exactly. He gets a flat tire, so he yeah. has to spend the night, right? Yeah. So let me connect this, right? Stephen Hilbert is the one. Mike Pence and Donald Trump have zero relationship, like almost right. non-existent. Um, until June of 2016, um, and the person who connects them is Stephen Hilbert. Hilbert texts um, Mike Pence, and it's like you know kids passing notes in middle school almost. It's like, if right. you were to be considered for Donald Trump's running mate, would you say yes? And Pence says yes. And so it starts the process. Hilbert tells Trump he's got to take a look at Pence. Yeah, exactly. Hilbert's the connector, and he's the one who starts the ball rolling. Um Pence is not the top pick. In this moment, yeah, in, this, in the right. chronology, in July 2016, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump 
are basically running the show and as much as they are now. Um, and they like Newt Gingrich. Gingrich is good on TV. He's a big thinker and has big with ideas in a way that their father is not. They think like he would merge very mesh very well. Um, Chris Christie has a line in directly with Trump himself mm-hmm. for their own relationship. Pence only has Paul Manafort and Reince Priebus at his back. And as we know, Trump does not like the, to go with the establishment, things that right. he doesn't like to choke down the medicine. But the thing is, is that Manafort's pollster, uh, who was the campaign pollster at that time, Tony Fabrizio, had run the numbers and figured out that Pence, of those three, Gingrich, Christie, and Pence, um, Pence was the only one that actually brought in more voters for them because it brings back, uh, it brings back conservatives but it also brings back evangelicals, quiet Midwestern evangelicals, not the fiery Southern Baptist televangelist mm-hmm. types who were already on the Trump train. You didn't need them. So the the flat tire, okay, so July 12, 2016, Trump campaign lands in Indianapolis uh, for a fundraiser that Stephen Hilbert had set up months earlier. Um, pops a flat tire. They get stuck there. Um Trump originally was going to fly on to California alone and Mike Pence was going to fl- the next day was going to fly to New York alone to meet Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump for the very mm. first time as sort of a, a courtesy call, not because they were taking him seriously. He was right. going to be there alone without Trump in Trump Tower, which for people who know Pence and understand him, like that's a very weird dynamic for him. Um, so on July 13th, 2016, they, Trump gets stranded there. And I report this for the first time in the book. They're meeting at the governor's mansion the next morning, and they have breakfast. This has all been reported before, but the, this meeting is new, that new, new to us. They have a meeting after the breakfast, and Trump and Pence sit down across from each other, and it's brass tacks time. Yeah. And Trump says, he says, Mike, I need killers. He says, are you going to be a killer? I need killers. He says, look at Chris Christie. Christie's calling me all the time. He wants this. Do you want this? And Pence has this like calm about him. And he says, to be honest with you, uh, I'm not a killer. <laughs> I don't need this. Uh, you know, you can, I will help you lobby. I will help you uh, 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 push legislation. I will help you fundraise with the evangelicals, uh, with conservatives. Um, but I don't need this. I'm, I'm okay running for reelection. And, um, and whoever, if you need a killer, you know, whoever you pick, I will support you and that person. And, uh, it, and Trump is just astounded. And so he presses him and Trump says, why don't you want this? Like Christie's calling me now. Like, I mean, he wants this. Why don't you want this? And Pence like catches the moment. Mm-hmm. And you can almost hear like the wink in his response. He says, well, frankly, Mr. Trump. Uh, you're sitting in my house on my couch and your whole family is here. Obviously the feeling is mutual. Why don't you want me? And Trump turns it around. Hmm. Yeah. Trump is astounded by this. I will just say this and please pick up the book uh, for the, for the final answer on this. No, it's a great read. Oh man, this kicks open the door. You would think a performance like that would seal the deal, but not with Donald Trump. Yeah, this is the thing that kicks open the door. It's something else that happens two days later. I'm just going to leave it at that. That which is a forceful, it's forceful by the Pence people that seals it for them. Well, let me ask you this: 
does did there's been a lot of speculation about that you talk a little bit about did Mike Pence get into this thinking that Donald Trump could win <laughs> their their game plan and I had heard this as rumors or was he before. in it just because this was going to make him a national Republican <laughs> Trump loses and then he's got the easy road to 2024 that, that that's the answer and I I didn't always believe it myself until I've reported it out more for the book um, their game plan was that Trump loses and then they were already telling donors to get on the Pence train early for 2020 they're going out there telling them line up now uh, because we're going to be the Republican nominee in 2020 after Trump loses. So, you, so that was the game plan. Yeah. And then the whole thing screws up when Trump <laughs> accidentally <laughs> accidentally wins. Yeah. Right? Which in a very famous episode, you point out that Karen Pence particularly was not happy with this outcome. That's right. Yeah. Karen, on, on election night, it's 1.30 a.m. The phone call comes in from Hillary Clinton to concede. And Mike Pence goes in for a kiss. And they won theoretically um and and karen turns her cheek and rebuffs him and she says you know michael you got what you want now leave me alone and wow. it was a smoker it wow. was yeah and it, when, the first time i heard that i thought it was because she was angry with donald trump but the more i understood of their joint political ambitions it was because she was angry with mike because they had taken a gamble the gamble which seemed like a pretty good bet was that trump was going to lose right that's a pretty safe they bet. Would be established as the alternative Republican, right? For twenty for twenty twenty, but so that is that why does that explain why if you were if you would think let me put it this way there was one thing in the twenty sixteen campaign where Mike Pence would say I can't do this anymore and that is the access Hollywood tape. <laughs> yeah, is that why? Does that explain again thinking he was going to lose that they would he would stay there? Even after the Access Hollywood tape broke. Yeah. It's the same reason that Mitch McConnell stuck with Trump, right? And all the other ones. Not, you know, Paul Ryan jumps off and Chris Christie jumps off. But, you know, the rest of the folks are trying to keep their head low, yeah. right? And, and, like, ride it out. They did. They, they might have jumped off. They didn't stay off for long, right? <laughs> they jumped back on. Right. That's, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Think of it in the moment, and this is why I tried to do throughout the book: is not think of it where we are now, but try to live in that moment and what the what what is rational, what makes the most sense. Trump's going to lose in thirty days, so why would you stick your neck out when you could just let time take its course and everything will, will take care of itself? I mean, Trump winning like just screwed all their political calculations. Everybody, Pence, McConnell, it's all of them. One of the things that um, um, you mentioned the relationship between uh, Mr. and Mrs. Pence, uh, Karen and Mike Pence, that um, once Mike became vice president, he adopted the, what they call the Billy Graham rule. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so you know. What is that? And the, did he practice that in Indiana when he was governor? Yeah, so, um, and this is, people ask me about that a lot, so where you won't dine alone with another woman who's not your wife or have drink, you know, be in a room with alcohol with another woman who's not your wife. Um, uh, you know, this has gotten some attention before. What I found is that when he was living in Indiana and before he goes to Congress, um, he didn't follow that rule. Um, because I interviewed somebody who would, you know, used to be on the radio with him, uh, Kate Shepard, uh, Indiana radio veteran. And she would have lunch with him on the weekends whenever she did the news and he did his call-in show and they would have lunch together alone because there's nobody else at the studio. Um, perfectly fine. Not weird. 
you know, everything was yeah, great, you right. know, very cordial, very normal. Um, it's not until he comes to Washington that he adopts that role. Um, you know, some of it seems to be political pandering. Some of it does seem to be real, um, too. You know, the other thing that I noticed is that it's, it's almost like signal boosting. So when I'm around other people from Baltimore in, in here in Washington, my Baltimore starts to come oh. out and my, my O's start to mm-hmm. turn into O's. Right. Yeah. And we're doing it because, I mean, are we that far from from home? I mean, 45 minute drive. Not really. But, you know, you're kind of like you're signaling to other people. One of Pence's friends told me as I was reporting the book. So why does he call Karen mother? Um, people in southern Indiana do that. It's a little, a little bit of an older thing. Um, but it is also sort of native to southern Indiana. Right. Just around there. They talk that way. Um, not all the time. So. She told me, one of his friends, uh, Marjorie Danifelser, told me that, you know, look, when you come to Washington, you start yearning for home a little bit more. And then when you run into other people, maybe you signal boost a little bit, right? So you say, oh, start mm. calling Karen mother. I think that's where this comes from. Wow. And, 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 the, uh, and the Billy Graham rule as well. Yeah. Again, the book is Piety and Power, Mike Pence and the Taking of the White House. That phrase is loaded. And we'll find out more about that with author uh, Tom Lobianco. Uh, The book is just out. You can find it, of course, uh, wherever you uh, pick up your favorite books, either at your, hopefully, your local independent bookstore or certainly online at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, This is the Bill Press Pod. Bill Press Pod today brought to you by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, the great men and women of the Teamsters Union under President Jim Hoffa. Uh, As they say, they represent everybody from A to Z, from airline pilots to zookeepers, not just the uh, great truck drivers that we think of when we think about the Teamsters. To find out more about their great work, check out their website uh, under President Jim Hoffa, again, at teamster.org. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we're here today with Tom Lobianco, his new book, Piety and Power, Mike Pence and the Taking of the White House. Tom, what do you mean by that taking of the White House? <laughs> is, is that, is, is, that's Mike Pence's mission? Yeah, they want to win the White House. It, it, it wasn't always that way. Um, but it, but does he, he want to win it for somebody else or for himself? <laughs> well, for himself. Yeah. Uh, for himself. His focus is winning for himself. Now, look, I, I write about this in the book. He's also very good at quarterbacking other people's playbooks. Um, which I think is where you get stuff like where people talk about him being a tool of the Koch brothers. Steve Bannon's made that point before. Yeah. Um, they think he's very easily controlled by donors. Um, it's, I don't think it's just the Koch brothers. It's not just because of who they are. Um, and certainly the Koch brothers, their social conservative um, views, their views don't line up with Pence's sort of Christian right, um, right. stances. Um, but... This is the game. This is the long game that they're playing right now, and you don't see it really kick in until 2008. Um, in 2008, right after the election, there's, there's a meeting of report on for the first time here in the book. Um, in November 2008, the, the Republicans are on the ropes, and you know it's funny to look at after 2016 when Democrats were in the, the same position. You know, people were talking about the death of the Republican Party. Obama had just won. Democrats held the House. Uh, improved on their margins, um, almost had a supermajority in the Senate. Uh, they looked in, in, impervious. Mm-hmm. Um, so the con- movement conservatives working at the, ca- the Council for National Policy, sort of a, a, a umbrella conservative group, um, get together at Brent Bozell's house um, in Virginia, and they decide that they're not going to let Mitt Romney become the nominee. And they, they need a good conservative. So they go around the room, talk it out, and Mike Pence's name comes up. And they say, well, okay, let's bring him in. So Pence, they bring Pence in about two weeks later uh, for a meeting. And they're all impressed by him uh, in large part because he walks into the room knowing everybody. And these are the, the leaders of Susan B. Anthony List, um, Concerned Women for America, Heritage Foundation. All these conservative groups. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that he knows them all and he can work the room with, you know, 30 or 40 people and knows everybody in there is very Im- impressive to them. They want him to run for president. This is when Mike Pence's tactics start changing seriously towards building a national network uh, to run for president. 2008, November of 2008. That's far, that long ago. Yeah. Now, you mentioned about his and he is known as a person of faith and and. Mm-hmm. and so again, the connection between Donald Trump as an evangelical, mm-hmm. right? Um, is his faith real? Yeah, or, okay. yeah, it's real. Okay. Yeah, he's not putting this on for political purposes. Well, he's with Trump for political purposes, but his faith is also real. So does he? Um, let's say. Um, <laughs> Uh, shape his faith to fit his politics. <laughs> I found um, I found a tug and pull between his ambition and his faith. Um, and what really helped me understand this, I spent a lot of time researching 
on the religious side of this because you know we're, we're in the political world and that's very easy for us to understand the political side of it but i'm like yeah. i need to step out and i need to understand what does it mean to be evangelical where are the different types of evangelicalism um you know, certainly not i think when we as political reporters talk about oh the christian right represents all evangelicals so that's functionally wrong that's inaccurate and we're also doing a disservice to to uh voters and to people um Mike Pence says, I talked with friends uh, who've known him since the 80s and the 90s. Uh, I went to his church, the, the old church, the mega church he used to go to um, up in 96th Street in Indianapolis. Um, I, I went to a Bible study for this to try to like, get a sense of you know what it's like to really live in the, in the Old Testament, where the lessons being drawn out of there. Um, and um, what I found is that Mike Pence is not a fiery theocrat in his own practice. That's not who he is. He's not a, a Falwell or Pat Robertson or, or the modern uh, Robert Jeffress, for instance. Um, that's not how he, how he privately practices his faith, but it is how he practices some of his politics. So he does, and I sat down with, I was meeting with one of his friends and I was asking because there's some very real policy implications to this in terms of how we deal with Israel, what could happen um, uh, you know, as you, as you get into this and I asked him, I said, why does, you know, why does he kowtow to the Christian right when that's not his own style of practice? And he was like, his friend was like, oh, come on, who doesn't pander? Yeah. Well, pandering is one thing, but here is a guy who, I mean, he's, he's joined at the hip now with us. He's joined himself at the hip with a serial adulterer mm-hmm. who brags about it. <laughs> You know, brags on that Access Hollywood tape. You keep coming back to that about abusing women. Any Christian would say this is totally wrong. It is wrong, right? And we want nothing to and condemn that person. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump has embraced him. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's that contradiction. How does he live with that contradiction? How do you explain? How does he explain that contradiction? Well, you know what? Are tax cuts so important that you yeah. accept anybody or anything? Trump drove more than a few evangelical ministers out of the Christian right firmly because of that, because of that discord. Um, uh, Robert Shank, uh, who I interviewed for the book, who had used to pray with Mike Pence in his congressional office, he used to hand out mon- um, uh, awards of the Ten, uh, the Ten Commandments, the little stone tablets that they would hang, congressmen would hang yeah. in their office, very ensconced in the Christian right. Um, he leaves over this. Um, look, when I talk with people about this, um, I, you, know, you get different answers. Is is Pence a sellout uh, because of this? Some some people will say yes, but here's what his friends say. And I, I you know, I've, I I guess in other interviews, I've been accused of being a Pence apologist, um, and I guess that's kind of what happens when you try to get inside you know somebody's head for a biography. Yeah. Um, his people put it this way: There's two Old Testament allegories they use to help explain Mike Pence. The first one is Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar from the Old Testament. Daniel, the Jewish slave, um, well, the Israelites are in, in exile in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is this mad tyrant throwing them to the lions, uh, casting them into the fire. Um, and Daniel is put there by God to protect his people, to keep everything on track. The second allegory which is very similar, and in this, of course, in that case, Trump is Nebuchadnezzar. Right. Um, yeah. The second one is Joseph and the Pharaoh, and it's the same dynamic. Um, 
uh, uh, <laughs> I was talking out in Indy recently, and they were putting on at Marion University, and they were putting on a, a production of Joseph and the uh, the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, it's the same dynamic. Look, these are the biblical allegories they use to help explain Mike Pence, and in both of them, he's the loyal soldier um, doing his doing what his faith tells him to do to keep the country on track. This mm-hmm. is how they rationalize it. Right. Uh, uh, that's a um, um, pretty clever spin, I would call it. But uh, <laughs> So he's there. He's vice president of the United States. How close, is he a real insider in the Trump White House? No. 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 Um, he, uh, do he and Trump have a good, close, friendly no. relationship? No. 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 It's cordial. Right. Um, but, but no, not close. For example, um, I don't remember seeing any notice of... Um, Mike and Karen being invited over to the White House for a just special dinner, hanging out with <laughs> Donald Trump and Melania. No, no, it's a, no. I don't remember uh, seeing Mike Pence on the golf course with Donald Trump no. since he's been president. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. So, um, does that mean that if, for example, in this Ukraine scandal, if somebody's head has to roll, that it could be Mike Pence's head? Could be if he. I mean, with Donald Trump, hmm. he's already said that Mike is his guy for 2020. Right. How much can Pence count on that? And do you think there's any doubt that Trump hmm. would throw Mike Pence under the bus if he had to in a New York second? I think we're we're starting to see that that he's um, when Trump did that press conference at the UN. Um, about a week ago, and he said, um, you know, maybe you ought to ask for Mike Pence's tapes. Um, that's the beginning of that. Um, logistically, I don't know that you could get rid of Pence before the 2020 election. So you, I don't know that you could get rid of him as as vice president if you're Trump. Um, no, but as nominee for 2020, nominee you could. could. As nominee, you could. Um, I mean, and this is like this was being talked about even before the Ukraine thing right. blew up. Uh, Jared and Ivanka have talked about this with people. Um, I should note that there are people say that's not not the case, but I've, I've heard enough uh, from different factions in Trump or, and Pence world that it, it seems real to me. I and mean, that's what we reported. Um, it's that's a real thing. And Pence is in some serious danger. And to me, always the real tell was not what people are saying, but what people are doing. And Pence's actions fit that model. His actions fit the model of fear and and concern over what might happen. So this unflinching loyalty has a baseline of fear to it. And that was on display also recently when uh, Mike Pence had some meetings in Ireland, uh, in Dublin, (laughs) (laughs) where there are many fine hotels. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been there. I can attest to that. Uh, Mike Pence didn't stay in one of Dublin's (laughs) finest hotels. He stayed 181 miles away in the Trump resort. Yeah. You know, the sad thing about that is his his family is from Dunebeg. Why did he stay there? His family is from Dunebeg. That's not why he stayed there. That's not why he stayed there. I mean, he could have stayed. Dunebeg is very small, and you could have stayed somewhere else. He probably should have stayed in Dublin and then do a stopover in Dunebeg. That would have made more sense. Um, You know... I remember Mark Short, his his chief of staff now, longtime senior advisor, very close with Mike Pence, 
um, was answering some questions about this and he says, oh, you know, um, Mr. Trump, you know, suggested it and we thought it would be a good idea. I mean, the, I mean, what, like one or two hours later, almost immediately after he says that Trump is calling his Mark Short fake news and, you know, d- denying right. anything about it. So he senses the danger in that. I mean, it's highly ironic to hear Mike Pence talk about, you know, why Ukraine needs to investigate the Bidens for uh, potential ill-gotten profit, um, you know, via the power of the office after, you know, he flies into Dunebeg and stays at Trump Hotel because that's what you all have to do. Everybody has. It's not just Pence. Pence. And I feel kind of bad for him in a way because he gets nailed on it. It's everybody in Trump world. I meet so many sources at Trump Hotel. Like you have like that's just how it works. Like. I, I don't know if it's mafia, gangster, whatever you want to call it, but like that's how this style of government and politics works right now. When uh, your book came out, since your book has come out, um, I know you've interviewed Mike Pence many times. Mm-hmm. He knows you. What response have you gotten from uh, from Mike Pence and his uh, and the people around him? Um, so uh, it, I know his his, old- his daughter. Uh, yeah, wrote an op-ed attacking you, basically. Yes, for yeah, that happened. Or misrepresenting the Christian faith. Yeah, Charlotte. I'd, um, um, well, let me let me start here. Um, his former chief of staff read the book, got all the way through it. He helped with the book. Um, said that it came out good and accurate. I mean, all I can ask for is accurate. If you tell me something's right. correct, that's that's all I can ever ask for. Um, and uh, that's what I tried for. Um, it's not my job to take sides one way or another. Um, and I suppose people can read into it different things. And actually, you know, to be honest with you, I hope they do, because that means people are making up their own decisions on things. Um, like he, his old chief of staff read through the book, um, said it came out fair, even empathetic to Mike Pence. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, pretty much hit the mark, um, on everything that he knows about. Um, other people have read the book. Uh, some people say I go too easy on Mike Pence. Uh, other people say that I should have left stuff out um, because it goes that stuff goes too hard on Mike but Pence. From Pence himself or his family? Well, Charlotte was the Charlotte was there. The original strategy of Pence World when the book came out was to not respond, to lay low, to not give it oxygen, which is how Mike Pence operates. That's his right. style. So that, um, he, that's what he's been try, was trying to do with Ukraine previously kind of lay low so i my understanding is that the reporting on karen really angered them because the fact that we're starting to kind of peel back the curtain and show that karen is an incredibly powerful force um and we do this in the book in the seriously for the first time about how much of a political operator karen is in addition to mike pence um that pissed them off and that's why my understanding, at least, is that that's why Charlotte wrote the op-ed. Um, look, I understand why. I mean, if somebody, you know, if you perceive that you're uh, that there's a threat, um, then you know your family, you're going to do that. Um, I talked with someone from in, uh, one Pence advisor who told me that um, Charlotte um, had kind of blew up their strategy of laying low. Um, you know, she wrote an op-ed saying that I'm attacking the faith. I, I didn't. That's not what I what I'm doing here in the book. Um, I hope that's not the way it's perceived. I tried very hard to um, understand the religion separate of the of the politics, and 
and it's most certainly not dealing with every every Christian because it's dealing with one man. It's one man's journey. It's Mike Pence's journey. There is a final question. So um, there is an impeachment inquiry underway. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks like it's going to result in the impeachment of Donald Trump um, in the House. Maybe not the conviction, uh, his conviction in uh, by the Senate, unless there are some Republicans who defect. But were that to happen, Mike Pence would become president. Mm -hmm. Some people say Democrats have better be careful. <laughs> Careful what you ask for, because you might get it. Yeah, uh, that Mike Pence could actually be more dangerous in the White House, in terms of policy, in terms of getting things done, mm-hmm. than Donald Trump himself. Do you buy that? No, and I'll tell you why. And so, I, so do you th- do you think Pence is damaged by his uh, relationship no. with Trump? No, it has every association. To me, at least, it has everything to do about how he manages, how he runs things. Um, it's, yeah, I understand that. I've heard that from a lot of people. And I think that would he try to drive conservative policy, kind of hyper-conservative policy? Yes, 100%. I just don't think he would be very successful at it because the best model for this we have is his governorship. That's like when he's in Congress, he's one of 435. He's very slow to react. He's able to digest things. He's very careful and measured. He applied that same style of management when he was governor, and that's not effective in driving an agenda. And he had a lot of problems. Um, the vice president is kind of a, is kind of hard to um, use as a metric because he's in, completely subservient to the president. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not running the show. Um, I think he would try, but I think he would have a lot of trouble. He's not very good at working Congress. When he was in Congress, he didn't drive legislation. He was the message man. The person who twisted arms on legislation was Eric Cantor because he knew how to horse trade. Uh, Pence does not know how to horse trade, or at least not in a serious way, based on his career. Um, And I think that that's overstated. Um, I think that he would not be terribly effective at getting done what he wants to get done. Right. Again, Piety and Power. Check it out. It's a great read, a man that we should know more about, and you will after reading Piety and Power. Mike Pence and the Taking of the White House. Tom Lobianco, thanks so much for joining us here. Thank you, Bill. uh, On the Bill Press Pod, and that's a wrap for this edition of the Bill Press Pod. Uh, Many thanks again to, to, to you, Tom. Thanks to you all for listening. And remember, now you know your job if you haven't already done so. Please go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or TuneIn and subscribe to the Bill Press Pod. Give us a little five-star review there while you're at it. And if you've already subscribed, your job is simply to come back for the next edition of the Bill Press Podcast. Meanwhile, stay strong. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Bill Press Pod.